Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 131 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. Happy Tigers opening day! Detroit Tigers opening day right now. I got the game on my iPad here. I'm wearing a catcher's outfit. I've got shin pads and a mask on right now, uh, just celebrating everything that is spring baseball. I'm kidding, of course, or am I? Anyway, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. This week's guest is Josiah Nelson. Great player. I got to meet him at IBMA, and man, the guy, his, his tone in, in playing is just, it's impeccable. He's an ETSU student getting ready to graduate, and it was really great to talk with him. So we'll get to that in a sec. I want to thank Matt from Bluebird Picks, by the way. Um, these picks are really sweet looking. They've been coming up in my Instagram feed, and um, we got into a Instagram conversation, and he sent me a fistful, I believe five different picks here, or five picks, and they feel great, man. They're made from vintage poker chips. Uh, so Gallatin, I believe, is what it is. So you don't want to, <laughs> the, the packaging is awesome. And he shipped them really, really well, too. And uh, it's funny because the in the packaging is here, it says it's made from Gallatin. And Gallatin is made from milk. Don't put it in your mouth. <laughs> it will taste like old milk. <laughs> so um, they're really cool. I, he sent them to me. I'd gotten them right before a gig on Tuesday. And then that gig got um, uh, interrupted by a tornado. So uh, the last few days around here, obviously, have been a little crazy with some we've had more storms and stuff like that. So just yesterday, I really got to dig in with them and <clears throat> I'm really enjoying them, man. They're, uh, they're really I don't want to put a I don't want to put a, a, a tone name on the on the sound yet, though. But they're definitely very, very smooth and warm sounding to me. And I'll try to post a video of me playing with them here. But thank you so much, Matt. Blue Bird Picks. And actually, I'll post a link in the description of the podcast and at mandolinsandbeer.com. And while we're talking just now, I just got a notification uh, via my iPhone here that I got a new patron, James Gerber. James, thank you so much for uh, signing up to the Patreon. That's awesome. Uh, if you're not familiar with Patreon, it's just you can you can donate to uh, if you like the podcast and want to support it a little bit financially. Please feel free to go over to Patreon, or you can shoot me an, a message, and I've got a PayPal and all that good stuff too. The Venmo, whatever. Or just listen and tell all your friends. Uh, follow me on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, that's a big one, too. You know, so thanks again for all the support. And I want to thank my sponsors, too. Uh, Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation's video courses, you're going to learn from some of the best in the business uh, for mandolin. That's for sure. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, Chad Manning. Everything from beginner to intermediate to advanced, to theory, to advanced jazz stuff. It's the best. Um, there's no better lineup out there. And I love Peghead Nation. And Peghead Nation has been here since pretty much, I think, episode two. Uh, the courses are great. They have high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. And you get your first month for free. Go to PegheadNation.com. Use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. All one word. Thank you, Peghead Nation. Want to welcome back Ear Trumpet Labs. Ear Trumpet Labs is back. They're hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed, have great feedback rejection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. If you didn't check out their April Fool's video, go to Instagram right now and check it out. Great one. 
as was Scott's Gibson versus Gibson. Hilarious. Uh, Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, be sure to check out their Instagram. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player. Pava Mandolins, hand-built in Austin, Texas. Great stuff there. Straight Up Strings. Go to straightupstrings.com now and check out why these strings are so great sounding. CJ Lewandowski, Tristan Scroggins, those guys use them. Uh, CJ Lewandowski, if you've seen his mandolin arsenal, you'll know that uh, that's a big deal for whatever strings he's putting on. Roger has spent years of time dedicated to, to, to building the perfect string. And if you go to straightupstrings.com, you can actually read all about it. And actually, I highly recommend you sign up for their newsletter. But it's basically the bridge and the size of the strings work together with these straight up strings. And he's figured out how to make them sound optimal. So go to straight up strings and check them out. From my old stomping grounds, well, stomping state, I used to drive over there as often as I could, though, Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced to beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins, includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and our down-to-earth, knowledgeable staff is there to help. They're in their 50th year of business. They're family-owned, operated, ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. They got a lore there as well that you should check out. Looks great. Okay, let's get into the podcast with Josiah Nelson, everybody. You have yourselves a fantastic week. Let's go Detroit Tigers. Cheers, everybody. everybody now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast josiah nelson josiah how's it going buddy things are going great here great and you're in johnson uh, city yep johnson city tennessee i'm finishing up my last semester here at east tennessee state university oh that's great congrats man thank you and you're a busy guy i, I want to point out one of the first things is i first met you at ibma i got to meet so many killer people at IBMA and you being one of them and and you were playing I believe you ended up playing like a set right by the booth where Keith from Picky Fingers and I were and mm -hmm. and I was just like oh man <laughs> <laughs> so great such great playing um yeah you and your and, and your mandolin when we talk here we'll talk about that but you just crushed it dude so I'm I'm, I'm excited I'm sorry it took so long to get you on Oh, no problem. Yeah, I've been excited since uh, since I met you back. Uh, what was that? September, Gosh, October, September. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's coming up again pretty quick already. It seems like I think. I know. Early yeah. bird tickets are on sale. <laughs> wow, that's getting me a little scared. No. I know. I know. <laughs> but you've been you've been really really busy kind of since then too. I mean, I really appreciate you're you're squeezing this in. Um, this morning here, Tuesday morning, because you're getting ready to head to uh, Vegas. So, yeah, yeah, going to play a show. Uh, it's like a men's conference thing, some big men's conference that I'm filling in for Tammy Rogers out in Vegas. So, uh, playing fiddle actually. So, oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Who are you, are you playing with the steel drivers? 
No, no, it's a, it's like a men's conference for this church band for a, a local church here in Johnson City. But oh, okay, their band cool. got excited to play up there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congrats. That'll be fun. Yeah, Tammy Rogers played on the album. So, um, so anyways, she couldn't make it. So they asked me, and I'm I'm pretty excited. And I got a couple friends who are going to play it too. Uh, Jacob Metz, he's a dobro player, and Brandon Green's a banjo player. Um, both incredible musicians. So it should be a pretty fun trip. Oh man, yeah, for sure. And you've also been playing a bunch with Trey Wellington. You've been doing that for a few years. Yeah, when I was with him at the very first Trey Wellington band show and we've been playing together since um he came to me and asked he's like man I'm thinking about starting a band would you be interested and I said man like I would be honored and you know we we've been just kind of hitting it having having fun writing music um Trey and I used to live together um so we had all the time in the world to practice and put <laughs> right stuff you know this is exciting because I mean you've probably played as as everybody does when you first start up, you, you know, you, you play everywhere you can in, in every gig you can accept. And then looking at your schedule here coming up in 2022, I mean, you guys are playing Merle Fest and Rocky Grass, Bourbon and Bluegrass in D.C. I mean, what's it like to uh, to see something that you've been part of, like since the beginning? You know, like you said, just hanging out and writing music, living with your roommate. And now now you're playing, you know, such like Merle Fest, man. I mean, that's. that's people dream to play that place yeah it's it's incredible i mean we were you know last year when we played we ended up getting a, a spot on the main stage at ivy man i just remember like trey called me and like he was so excited he couldn't barely get the words out and, you know <laughs> it's just been like you know people really wanting to listen to our you know our music that we're writing but you know we have a lot of faith in it and it's been super fun you know just getting to do all kinds of stuff with each other and with our other bandmates. It's, it's kind of, it's just incredible seeing something like this grow and at the speed it is, you know, it's great. And I mean, well-deserved because the music is excellent and you guys were the talk of IBMA. There were a few bands everybody was talking about um, that. Everybody had to see twisted pine, Seth Mulder, and you and the Trey Wellington band were the ones that everybody was like, oh, you got to go see. Anytime I asked anybody what they were going to see, it was one of those three bands, hands down. And and it's really cool to see, you know, like it just continuing on after that and, and what something like that does to people. You know, that's that's so cool, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm just super excited for where the band's going and just you know, we got a bunch of cool shows coming up, so we're we're looking forward to it. You know, we got we do some different stuff. You know, just so it's it's always kind of worrisome when we come bring some of our new stuff. We're like, are the people going to like this? Like the other stuff? <laughs> <All right. laughs> that is interesting, especially. I mean, it's like any music, but it does seem like, especially bluegrass, can be they can be very, um, you know, protective uh yeah. of growth sometimes I, mean, I don't and i don't mean that in a bad way i think sometimes people just they hear something and expect you know and right, mu- yeah. musicians want to want to grow as well and i think you know i think that's probably why um the trey wellington band is probably so popular though is because i think it i think it does offer when you when you hear you guys it just offers like wow the potential of this band i mean they're already great i can't wait to hear what they do you know i think there's like a comfort in like the familiar right so mm-hmm. um you know, and it, it's it's scary whenever you hear something that's like different from what you're used to. So, you know, 
the fact that people are willing to, you know, set aside that comfort level in order to, you know, listen to us covering a Childish Gambino song, <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you have a brand new album coming out with Trey. Uh, yeah, so actually the Trey Wunsch man didn't, it's not on his, uh, we're, we didn't play on it. It's all people from his label that played on oh, it. So, oh, okay, gotcha. Um, but we're looking to, uh, in the future, record, you know, an actual Trey Wellington band album. But, oh, fantastic. But we all, you know, we all know all the, the materials. So, like, at the album release show, we are going to be playing on it, like, for the shows and stuff. So, Oh, fantastic. Oh, I was going to say, and you're doing two shows for the um, the CD release coming up here That's in correct. May. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing one at Isis Music Hall in Asheville, and then we're doing one at... Uh, Shoot, I can't remember the name of it, but it's there's a venue in Raleigh. It's on our. It's the Lincoln Theater. Lincoln Theater. I got her uh, pulled up right now. Oh, great! <laughs> you know more than I do. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking. I'm cheating. I'm looking at a schedule. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then you also have uh, in 2021, you did put out a couple singles. Um, you did Boolin, and yep. um, and then Red Hill, which I had to ask about because when I looked it up, it's available on Bandcamp. Credited mm-hmm. to John Reichman, and then I didn't realize it's actually on a Todd Phillips album. So when I was trying to figure out what Reichman album was on, I'm like, I can't find this song. <laughs> and yeah, cleared that it's on up. the yeah, it's on the Todd Phillips released album. friend of mine Wyatt Rice introduced me to this album and he actually introduced me to this song we learned it and worked it up in a school band at one point and it's it's just kind of a you know really unique I'd say it's kind of space grassy but it's got all kinds of you know it's got a nice really strong melody and all this you know so um, I reached out to uh, to John Reichman and see if he would let me uh, you know release a cover of it and he was super nice and let me do it and all that so oh he's so great yeah yeah he's real nice you cut that direct to tape yep i did yeah we we uh went to a place called big tone um and it's it's in bristol virginia um john atkinson he's a engineer he runs the whole show it's everything's cut direct to tape with vintage equipment um you know vintage consoles and it's it's kind of a different experience. You don't have headphones on, so you're all you know huddled around with baffles in between you. So it's, <laughs> it's it's way different than it is like cutting in you know most you know big studios where it's it's like sterile. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of got that fun you know open feeling. Yeah, it's um. And if people don't understand, like 
maybe if they're not not familiar with what cutting to tape means, I mean, now everything's done with computers, you know, so it's really easy to um, to click and find a spot for an edit. You know, if you make a mistake, for instance, um, yeah. when you're recording direct to tape, like you're it's recorded on tape, like, you know, recording tape. And <laughs> you can't really I mean, you can cut and edit it, but it literally yeah. back in the old days, they used to use razor blades slice it and then use this tape to put it back together and then make it seamless it's it's much more stressful i would imagine to go direct to tape <laughs> yeah there's um there's some cool stuff about going to direct tape and you know whenever you make a cut on the computer you gotta you know you gotta use tool your toolbar or whatever but and on direct tape i mean it's literally a pair of scissors <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it's it's kind of it's it's more complicated, but way it's also simple. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do anything with it. And, but it's, it's really cool to, to have that kind of recording experience when you're so used to doing it the other way. Um, I mean, and there's something to be said about tape. I mean, it's expensive to get now because hardly anybody manufactures it. But, you know, when you're recording to a computer, there's hundreds of tape emulator plugins you can get <laughs> to try and duplicate the sound yeah. that tape has i mean it's definitely got a very got cool a, sound right it's got that kind of warble and it, it has like you said the warm sound that you know gives it a it kind of glues everything together i think so how did you get into playing mandolin so you know i started out as a fiddle player playing texas uh, style um old time texas old time style I grew up going to fiddle lessons every day, every week. I mean, and going to fiddle contests and I, I loved that. And I still really enjoyed talk to all my friends from those days. But, you know, the first time I ever heard uh, the punch brothers and I heard Chris Thiele, I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to, I need to get a mandolin. <laughs> and my grandpa had this, this little a style Epiphone that blue that I still have today. And so I, oh, he's like, cool. if you promise you don't quit playing fiddle, you can have it. And I said, okay. So, <laughs> so here I am, but you know, I, I really, something about the mandolin just kind of called to me. So I, I answered it and just kept going at it. What were some of the things when you come from this, this Texas fiddle style, you get the mandolin and your, and your wood shedding. What were some of the things you had to, I guess, overcome that were maybe ingrained in your playing from fiddle, aside from the obvious bow and pick? <laughs> right. And you know, that it, the hardest thing for me was realizing that the two are different instruments because it, it seems like, oh, they have the same notes that they're, you play them the exact same, but like, having that realization that there are some some things that you just can't do on the mandolin whether it's you know you know sustained notes which you know you can make up for with tremolo but um i think the biggest thing was just like realizing that okay i need to like come at this from a completely different angle that was that was kind of hard for me to to really realize <laughs> sure <laughs> you know? well it's smart you figure that out though um, and, and, and found it cause you're just a great player. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's probably easy to get frustrated being really good at fiddle and then maybe starting at mandolin and being like, man, I'm not good at this yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I would never play in front of people because I was just like so nervous. <laughs> I was like, they, they expect one thing cause I've been playing fiddle for so long and then they, 
uh, I come out here playing, just plinking along on the man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not but, you're not plinking along any longer. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, you're crushing it, man. So, were you? Did you form bands then? Where Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Northern Colorado. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so I grew up playing in, uh, you know, mostly fiddle contests, and which it's it's a whole completely different world from you know playing for like you know jamming or in a band setting. It's you know you really hammer down arrangements and get them as best as you possibly can so that you can play four minutes of music, right? <laughs> um, and that's really cool. I, I really have a lot of respect for the people who, you know, have taken that to the insane levels. But, um, yeah, so I think it was after my senior year of high school, I got an offer to play fiddle at a dinner theater, a chuck wagon dinner theater. So playing old cowboy tunes while and serving barbecue dinner. So before I moved out to Tennessee for like six years, for uh, I think it was like five years actually that I, I did that so that was that was really fun way to you know just hone my chops on the fiddle how and many uh how many gigs a week did you do with that that was uh six or seven gigs a week wow yeah it was <laughs> That's great it was a pretty heavy heavy duty deal yeah <laughs> yeah and, and that was only i mean it wasn't year round it was you know memorial day to labor day that's still, <laughs> that's, but still, you know, at the end of the season, you are very worn out. Yeah. Oh my I mean, gosh. Um, I haven't come anywhere close to that amount of gigs since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is really fun. Cause you know, something like that, you get a level of tightness that you don't get with other bands. I don't, it's, it's kind of crazy. This connection you have with these people that you play with every night for a hundred nights straight, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a, a whole different level. Real quick, going back to the Texas fiddle competition stuff you were talking about and like working on songs just yeah. for, for a song that you would work on. Let's say you have a song you want to work up for a competition. Like mm -hmm. how often would you work on that song? What, what did it look like if you like pick any song from that stuff? And like, from the minute you decide you want to play it to the competition, okay. what does yeah. that look like? Well, you know, take, for example, I learned uh, Topeka Polka to play as a tuna choice in a contest. And And something like that, you know, at the time I had a fiddle teacher, so she would teach me, you know, all the variations that she knew, and I would work on that forever to to get, you know, down to where I wouldn't miss a single note or inflection. And so that would take, you know, months. And then, then after, you know, at the time I didn't, I wasn't in the same mindset as I am now, so, you know, in trying to come up with new parts was, you know, very hard for me <laughs> and so you know that would also take forever but you know i would be i would practice the same songs you know and, and just 
for you know a year and then ho hopefully when it comes to you know uh weezer where the you know national time photo contest is um i'd have them down <laughs> but it, it really is it's such a different way of thinking than it is for like playing for for bands because you know I'll, I'll typically work for a Trey song, you know, I'll work at, at it for like a week until I, I feel comfortable where I can like have, you know, a break that's I come up with or a break that, and then also be able to improvise something. Right. But with that, it's like, you don't want to be able to mess up anything. So, and you have to have, you know, five or six runs through a song. So <laughs> it really does take a while. Yeah. What was the uh, what was your favorite competition that you were part of when you were doing those Texas fiddle ones? I really liked the small contest. There was there was a my 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 original fiddle teacher uh, Cody Saddlemeyer, her mom, and uh, ran ran some contests up in Wyoming that were just you know small and it was just with all my my friends from Colorado and Wyoming. So I really really loved going to those and you know seeing all my friends. But I also, you know, I went to Weezer quite a few times, which um, in the Texas world, that's like one of the the big, the big contests. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, that that's like, you know, that's kind of like the IBMA or whatever of the of the Texas fiddle world. You know, everybody's there, so you get to meet all these new people. You know, meeting it's it's kind of that one's that one's really fun. It's also in, very intimidating when I was a kid because there were you know, the junior division or whatever would have 80 contestants in it. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And they're all these like, <laughs> you know, super incredible, you know, young musicians who've been playing since they, they were three years old. It's just like, oh my gosh, these kids have been playing forever. I haven't been playing that long, <laughs> you know? Oh my God, it sounds like a Netflix series. <laughs> yeah, I've always wondered what would happen if, it, I mean, it, it'd be a, it'd be a very dramatic, you know, whatever but <laughs> i was i always thought that'd be kind of a funny tv series that a lot of people would get a kick out of it yeah for sure man follow the the contest circuit to wherever it goes <laughs> <laughs> so how did you speak of where it goes you end up going to etsu which is just just got some great pedigrees from there yeah. you know with you know guys like adam steffi and teaching there mm -hmm. and Wyatt compton um, so how did you decide to go there? Well, I, so I originally was going to school at uh, Colorado State University and, you know, I was really d couldn't decide if I wanted to actually try and do music for a living. And, you know, I had a, a friend, Jake, like who I'm actually going to Vegas with this weekend, Jacob Metz, he had been out here for a while and I met him going to like uh, bluegrass festivals as a kid. And he came out here and he called me up one day and he's like, man, like if you get if you can, you should try and come out here. And so my parents were encouraging. We took, we came out here and took a tour and I just kind of fell in love because they, my friend set up a jam for me and we just played music all night while I was here touring the school. And <laughs> I was like, man, if I could do this every night, I wouldn't be too, too upset. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, uh, I left CSU, came out here. I only had one semester left at CSU. Actually. Oh, wow. And so uh, so then I, yeah, I came out here and just been kind of hitting it hard since I've been out here. And when did you, when did you get out to uh, ETSU? It was, let's see, the fall of 2019. Oh, okay. Well, right. Yeah. Right before, uh, just right before COVID struck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, 
It was kind of crazy. I, I played in the, the Bluegrass Pride Band, uh, the ETSU Bluegrass Pride Band, and it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, the, the band that goes out and plays all the festivals and stuff to, you know, market the school. But we we ended up doing a show right before COVID actually first started. We were, we were playing on the Danny Stewart Bluegrass Cruise. And so we didn't have internet and we get off the plane and we're off the boat and we go to the airport to head back and all these people were wearing masks like what is going on <laughs> it was it was like march 2nd or 3rd or something oh, wow. of 2020 yeah and, and so we get back here and we get a, we were supposed to play uh, a festival the next week and they found somebody at that festival found out you know we were in on that cruise ship and they're like, we hear one of your boys might have COVID. So you you can't come up here anymore. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was kind of, kind of a crazy experience, but you know, that was, that was my second semester there. And so it's kind of different going to school and COVID at a music school, but um, you know, luckily I had my roommates here that we played music with all the time. Cause I lived, like I said before, I lived with Trey and then uh, also I lived with Thomas Castle another. Uh, incredible mandolin player if you haven't heard of him you know oh he's so good he's so good and so the three of us lived together for two years so we just kind of played music a lot you know what and that's where i first became familiar with you is you guys did a live stream and oh, okay um, yeah or you were on a live stream somehow there was a live stream that thomas had either been part of or you um, he had tagged, like, check this live stream out. Anyway, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness, man. It was amazing right off the bat there. And then meeting you at IBMA, it kind of like, it was like, oh, this is where I know you from. So, yeah. And so you wrote, by the way, one of the songs you wrote on that cruise was Gulls Gulls, which was a Mandolin Monday. Yep, that was that same cruise right before COVID, actually. Yeah, it was we, I remember vividly we were we had just played the cocktail hour at the uh, uh, you know they have you play bluegrass right on right right at the bar like there's a bar there and then like a theater so they have it set up to where one hour they have a cocktail hour where you can get unlimited drinks or whatever and then we were the band that was playing during that and so I remember we got off stage and we were just sitting and beside the stage and I was talking with uh, Dan Boner he's he's the director of the bluegrass program and he kept talking about the seagulls outside and, and something about that feeling that day just kind of in that memory just kind of stuck with me. So I thought I better commemorate it. <laughs> and with what a cool tune <laughs> and really cool. Um, just really cool. There's a really cool chord. Like the progression is great. Like it's very, uh, it seems like it's going to go one way and then you, uh, you kind of turn it on its ear, which I love. Um, just beautiful song. Thank you. It's I, it's one of my like comfort songs to play. Actually, I just you know when I when I need something you know and I'm sitting at home just kind of playing the mandolin. It's like that's one of my. It's just kind of fun to play, and it's it's like it has kind of co complex chord, but it's a really simple song, you know. And you play it beautifully uh, on that mandolin Mondays. I mean, just Thank your you. your touch, your. Uh, I mean, the song, it, it's not only a beautiful song, but just the way you play it is beautiful. You got you got great tone and touch, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, you know, what's it like then as you're as, as you're at school during during COVID? Like, did you just I mean, was it isolated classes? Were you doing them online? Did you ever get to go to campus and work? 
Uh, I'd say for the first, you know, bit of, of COVID, you know, I actually ended up get going back home to Colorado and stayed at my brother's house through the end of that, that first semester that COVID happened. And, you know, that was when everybody was still trying to figure out what to do. So we, it was, you know, everybody went online, all my bands. So I was doing like a, a old time cowboy band, some friends that was being led by Kalia Yeagle and then uh, the pride band. So those went online, which, you know, that, having a band online like that was you know it made it hard we did you know we we made videos by you know lining up our our parts or whatever but you know after that next summer i, I came back for the summer and just hung out with thomas and trey and we just you know played music and then the next semester most of my like lecture classes were online but our band uh bands were were meeting if you could be distanced and masked and uh, as well as uh, my lessons, so um, it was it, it it was it made it a little easier, you know. It, it it wasn't exactly perfect, you know. We couldn't, we still couldn't go out and play shows, like, but but being able to just you know play with your your friends made kind of made it a lot a lot easier mm-hmm. to to deal with the situation, you know. Sure. What are some of the advantages you find of going to a school like ETSU? That, you know, as opposed to, you know, there's two ways you can kind of go about it in music. You know, you can go out there and just hit the road and, and right. grind it out, <laughs> you know, or, right. or, or you can you can go to these schools. I mean, there's a lot to be said for, for, for music schools, ETSU in Berkeley and NEC, like all these people that are coming right. out of there. Um, there, there, you guys are doing good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the thing I'd say that it's most important for going to a school like this um, is, I mean, having the ability to, you know, take your time and really dive into stuff. That's, that's incredible. But the most important thing is you're around other like-minded people of the same age who are also trying to do the same thing. So you work together and play music together and grow together as musicians. And, you know, where I was living before there was, there was musicians, but, only a couple my age and you know the, i think it's just having such a huge concentration of people who are willing to just play music all day every day it it's a resource that you don't get other places um but and and i totally understand why you, you know that i wouldn't say it's a perfect experience either but for me it really works yeah i mean and again nothing's really a perfect experience i just i think it's really cool that there's programs out there you know that uh, especially for this style of music because i think you know uh, as being a bluegrass musician and i think some people have a uh maybe a backwards opinion of what that means sometimes you know what i mean it's right, like yeah. uh you know they don't realize like how uh complex of a music it can be and what are so what's some of the favorite studies that you've done while you've been there i i really like the uh the history classes and and that uh, we, there's bluegrass history that, you know, and, you know, survey of contemporary bluegrass. And so I really enjoyed those classes because it, it, it gave me, it filled in a lot of gaps for me. Cause you know, I, I didn't, I grew up going to a couple of bluegrass festivals, but I didn't grow up in bluegrass, like a lot of people. So there was just some, some gaps that I had that needed to be filled. Um, but my, my, the biggest thing that I, I have gotten from this is there's a, you know, studio production track, which is, you know, that's what my capstone is. You, you take a bunch of classes in a, you know, ETSU has a full-blown recording studio that has everything you could need to learn how to, you know, run a, 
uh, run the control room and record in a studio. So having experiencing, you know, both sides of that, you know, recording music, but also being the person behind the controls, it's, I think that's, that's my favorite thing. And, you know, I, I'm actually getting ready to go to a, uh, do an online masters in, uh, music technology. And I, I, I think that, that I'm real, you know, having working with, uh, you know, studio professionals that work at ETSU has like opened my eyes to this whole other world of music that I've always been interested in, but had no idea how to get into. So advice for a person, let's say, you know, you see a lot of people, um, try, you know, putting just little recordings that they've been doing at home and different things like that up on Instagram mm -hmm. or YouTube or stuff like that for like a basic person who's sitting at home right now. And they've like, well, I got, I've got a microphone and, um, a simple programming thing. What's a way that they could get a somewhat the most decent sound that they could without, you know, just like somebody sitting in a room. Like I just, you know, I mean, cause I think there's a big thing to be said about people. They've, if you've got a computer and a microphone, you can get a mm -hmm. really inexpensive interface. Oh, yeah. And it, it, there Definitely. really is something to be about recording yourself, playing rhythm, listening to it, soloing over that, you know, but sometimes you get in, it just sounds, you know, if you have no idea what you're doing, it sounds terrible. <laughs> you right. know? So what's some, like some advice you could give somebody like that? I think the biggest thing for, I mean, sonically, the biggest thing you can do is, you know, it's making your room sound better. So that could be, if, if you're low budget, putting blankets on the wall, or if you have a higher budget, putting, uh, you know, baffles on the wall. And that, that is a big thing. But another, another big thing I think is, you know, learning where to place the mics. Um, and in blue, luckily in like acoustic music and bluegrass, there's, there's, a, there's a few really good places you can put mics on instruments and you're pretty much guaranteed. It's probably going to sound pretty good. You might have to do a little bit of adjusting, but, um, I, I think like if you're going to need two things, like for like recording at home, those are definitely like, definitely the two biggest things, you know, soundproofing your room and learning where to place the mic and the rest, you know, it's really up to the, you know, your, your musicianship really, I think I got lucky. So, you know, I talked about, you know, Wyatt Rice teaches at the school and I've, I've been lucky enough to play in a school band with him for, you know, my entire time here. And when COVID happened, he had a, he, he was, you know, he lives pretty, he lives pretty far away. So he couldn't just come to the campus every day, you know, when try and stay healthy and all that. So we, we've been working on a recording project just for the school. Um, and since the beginning of COVID and it's all been just like recording from home. That's actually last night we were finishing up. We got like two more songs and the album's going to be done. Oh, but cool. I've been lucky. He's, he's taught me a lot about like, uh, um, man, like put a towel over your computer so you don't get the computer sound and that kind of stuff, you know, just, just all kinds of just small tips. You know, he's an incredible producer, engineer, whatnot. Cause you know, a lot of the early uh, Steve Canyon Rangers he produced and that kind of stuff, you know, been around it. So I, I was very lucky that I, like, for learning from recording at home that I had him as a teacher because, you know, he's been recording from home forever. <laughs> right, right. Going back real quick, where would, so if somebody starts with a mic placement, where would you recommend them? They have one microphone, you know, if, I mean, it might not be the perfect microphone, you know, it could be like a, a SM58 or something like that, but where do you, where would you have them start to, to try to right. get a good sound? 
Well, so if, if we're talking about mandolin specifically, mm-hmm. uh, I think a, a good thing, you know, for low budget mic, uh, an SM81, it's a sure SM81 is a good, you know, it sounds really, really nice. It really picks up the detail, but without getting like that kind of high end thing going on on the mandolin and you know just placing it a foot in front of you and you're you're pretty in like a right in front of where the the neck meets the body you know if you have one mic you know i think that's kind of a a really good way and you if you like it like you know, like the higher end you can put it you know on the lower side of the mandolin where the, the you know the the f hole kind of is and then if you like the lower end you do the opposite and, and you know i think if you're looking for like a higher end mic the one that i use neumann cam 184 um it's just a super solid mic that you'll have the rest of your life <laughs> right um but to, you know small diaphragm condensers on a mandolin really do seem to work to get you know be able to cut through a mix without just kind of like hurting your ears you know <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean and there's other options you know if you have two mics you can you can either do like a one on the top one on the bottom like point at each f-hole or you can have one like going over your shoulder pointing down one pointing in front of you pointing at the neck um there, there's a few different you know a few different ways i i think you know a lot of people do stereo micing techniques but I found a lot recently what I've been liking is just single mic in the mandolin. It kind of, it makes things simple for, for everybody. Yeah, (laughs) sure. Um, And, you know, I have that, that new song that I sent you and we, the way we did that one, it it was completely different. We, we took two large diaphragm condensers and put them in figure eight where they would pick up the back and the front, but not the sides. And then, you know, crossed them and we all just kind of sat around two mics and, and played together. Oh, wow. You kind of, and so that's for like my capstone project, that, that song, but I'm actually going to actually release that song soon. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's December rain. You were saying is the title of it. Yeah. Yeah. Great song. And when that, man, when you, when you release that, please let me know. Cause I can, uh, I can, I'll play it on the podcast, man. So oh, people yeah, can I'll, check it out and I'll point people to where to get it and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'll let you know as soon as soon as I, I know what the, the plan is. Yeah, because that's something people definitely uh definitely need to check out. Yeah, I still need to get some like single artwork for it and stuff like that. <laughs> right. but, I did um, the artwork for the um the uh live at Big Tone. Those are those are cool, the two singles that you put out. Yeah, you saw it's kind of funny. I actually got those done on this website called Fiverr. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I I uh I I went through and just looked at every single one that I like. And there's this this dude from uh, Morocco actually, and he's just I liked everything he did, and you know he charged a fair price. Like you know I I don't want to under underpay people for their art. You know I, as an artist myself, you know. So um so I went on there and I told him what I wanted and. It was like, you know, way different than what I was expecting, but in the best possible way. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I dig it. The When I saw it, I'm like, wow. I mean, that's, you know, I think as I just I, I love visual art as much as I love audio art. And the minute I see like a cool cover or a cool piece of artwork, I mean, I'm already now I'm already interested. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, you know, yeah. I, I know not everybody's probably that way, but 
you know, I've definitely bought a few records by just seeing the artwork. I'm like, wow, I mean, this is cool. Uh, hopefully it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I was I was super pleased with it. You know, like the the Bulin one, like he I would I was not expecting there to be a chair there, but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> And at first I was like, I don't know, but then I was like, wait, it's like a shocking thing. Maybe it's it's cool that way. So yeah, um, and you know that song, it's just kind of a fun, just a fun tune that me and Trey wrote together. So it's like it's it's not that serious, really. So I think this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so so what uh, are there any songs you've been woodshedding working on recently? Any mandolin tunes? Um. You know, I've uh, for the for a while it, it's been you know I've been trying to write some new stuff um, for for Trey and like learning all all the material from his new album for his out you know uh, album release shows and whatnot. So I, I've been working on that stuff. You know, there's a bunch of jazzy type stuff, um, but also working on some space grass for Wyatt. You know, we're doing, uh, I think, let's see what's the name of that song, Waltz for Indira. So trying to, you know, come up with some cool stuff for that. I You know the, the the stuff from the, that that Tony stuff is like some of my favorite music. So I f- I feel like whenever I can't think of anything else, to do, I'm like maybe I'll learn a new spacecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always fun. Always oh fun. man, for sure. Oh, that's you know, great. And other than that, it's all you know. I, I I like original music. So you know, getting together with my buddies and and just writing tunes and having fun. What's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your uh, your main acts then. It's a it's a 2019 uh, Callings, uh, I think it M2 or uh, shoot, I don't remember the actual official name of it, but ah, it's, no a, worries. Um, it's a it's an A style. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's got it's you know it's got the honey amber finished, really tight grain on it, and I kind of got it on a uh, on just. Luckily, actually, I bought it in uh, 2020, I guess, into 2020, and I, I was, I had been playing an Eastman that was, you know, it was all right, but it didn't really have the sound I was looking for, and so I was like, I really need to try and find something different, and I, I just kind of scoured the internet for, you know, I always like the sound of the Kongs and uh, A styles, 
and plus I could afford that. So, <laughs> um, so anyways, there's a shop actually in Colorado that was, there's a guy who owned the shop and he was retiring, giving the, the shop to his son, but the son didn't want to carry any like boutique instruments anymore. He just wanted cheap instruments, which poor guy, I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> but, um, so, so anyways, yeah, he had all these like Collins guitars, mandolins and, you know, bourgeois, all kinds of crazy stuff just on like insane discount. And I said, I thought to myself, man, like if I buy this, like, even if it comes and it's terrible, I could sell it for more than I bought it for. So. <laughs> right. But then right. It, it, it came and it sounds just so good. And I, I, I can't see myself playing any other instrument, you know? Yeah. You know, I've, I've thought about getting an F style, but I, I think there's something cool about, you know, playing a blonde A style and, and then just kind of rocking it, you know? Yeah, man. I was it in, sounds great, so no reason to change. Yeah. When I was in Nashville to do that live stream with Thomas and um, Casey Campbell and Dominic Leslie, yeah. I went to a, a small music store. I cannot remember the name of it, but it was across from Jackalope Brewing. And I just walked <laughs> over there. I didn't. The lady's like, oh, there, you know, there's a music store over there. Um, and Jackalope was sponsoring it. So, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to run across the street. And the single best sounding mandolin I played there, and they had that's a pretty nice mandolins, was a was a blonde Collings A style. Yeah, I mean, I I was like, I had to walk out of there before I bought it. <laughs> I mean, I was really I mean, like, this thing sounds great. You know, I've played a lot of really, I mean, amazing instruments, but I still have yet to play one that, there's two two facts, factors to this mandolin that I like. At one, it sounds really good, and I can get every kind of sound out of it. You can get that real, like, powerful, you know, next to the bridge sound when you play like you know cross picking stuff or whatever but you can also get like soft type things too so that's that's one thing i've never really had another mandolin that can do both of those things as well as that and then the other thing is the playability it's just so buttery smooth to play you know? <laughs> right. I've, I've never i've never had it set up and i've never needed to have it set up you know what about strings and picks well, I, I use the uh, Diodario uh, nickel bronze mediums, just straight ahead. You know, I, I think they feel nice. They got like a texture when you pick them that just, you know, they kind of smooth and glide. Um, I, I love them. I, I really love the sound they get, especially when they're, they're new and right before they go dead. Um, but I wish there was like a, you know, a coated version of them because they, they do go dead really quick yeah but, yeah uh, but they do sound like the sound is unmatched i think at least for my mandolin um and that's for picks i use a you know blue chip ct55 the classic the classic Just, yeah <laughs> i've had it i've had it for three years never I've not had to get any other pick. It just kind of works, you know. I know exactly what I get out of it every time. It's consistent, you know. And I've played other picks that I like. I have a couple tortoise shells that, you know, I, I really love the tone out of, but, you know, they change so much. So I'm le less likely to use it. And, you know, I, I, it's one of those things I don't, I don't want to disrespect, you know, the, the, the material. So I don't want to just destroy it right away. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Shaping them and getting them back to back to it's, I mean, you'll, you can ruin it in an instant, <laughs> you know? Right. So, but yeah, for the most part, I, I use the, the that's my, my main setup. 
you know, I got that, and then I use a uh, tone guard on the mandolin. Plus, I have this the the strap that has it's like a buckle system that you can just like click it in and it works. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a nice little setup. Um, compact, everything works. Do you guys um, plug in when you play, or do you play into mics? Uh, for, for the most part, we plug in. Um, we've done some shows mic'd. Um, what do you use for your um, for your plug-in setup? So I used to use a, a Grace uh, Felix, and I, I really loved the sound and you know being able to blend inputs. But it, when it came to playing festival, like we played uh, Winfield last year, and I, between that and my full pedal board, it was just like so much to carry around and then have all these extra cords to plug in. It was just like, if any of those knobs on the thing got touched, it just kind of ruins the sound. And it just became such a big hassle. Like no matter, like if it, when it worked, it worked better than anything, but it just was like, it was such a struggle for me to get it to work every time. So, so I I moved away from that kind of looked for something else. So I'm actually using a, uh, what they call line six pod go now. Oh yeah. I use that for electric mandolin. Yeah, and yeah. I use it for acoustic mandolin. I've and I've used it. Well, I use it for both electric and acoustic, actually. And uh, you know, for what the reason I chose that was um, one simplicity, and you know, I, I'm all about keeping things as simple as possible, so <laughs> that, you know, I don't have to worry about things. But two is you can load impulse responses on it, and so I went into the studio and made a bunch of impulse responses custom with you know, a bunch of different mics and you just kind of EQ'd them to where, you know, it sounds, it's not perfect, but it sounds pretty close to my mandolin. And you know, I cut out all the, you know, a lot of times when you use impulse responses, you get a lot of mud in the mix and, you know, I don't know. That's a big issue. I know some people have been having with tone dexters. It sounds really good by itself, but as soon as you play with the whole band, it kind of washes out. So I had to work a lot with tweaking the EQ settings on it, but I think I got it to a place I really like. And, you know, with that and, you know, it's just kind of a nice setup, you know, mm-hmm. for those who, who aren't familiar, if they're like impulse responses, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah. So an impulse response, you take, uh, basically you take a, a mic input and a, your plugged in input, right. And you kind you run it through an algorithm you use, you use math and magic, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, what it does is it makes it, it uses like an, a special curve that it filters your mandolin through so that whenever you plug in, it tries to match that tone to the tone of a mic. And, you know, impulse, you can use impulse responses are, you know, much more than that. You can, you know, do reverb plugins that way. You can do all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I think the most popular one that people use is the, a thing called the Tone Dexter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I have one. And that, yeah, and those they're great, and they, you know, they're they're simple to use. But um, with with the the way I was doing it, it's you know, it's a lot more custom because you can. There's no biases on them or anything, so it take you know for a mandolin, it works real well. That's great, man. I'm gonna have to monkey around with that. I didn't realize you could do that with a Pod Go. Yeah, yeah, you can. Most people who use Pod Goes, it's like you know, it's electric players, so they yeah they take impulse responses of they're like uh, you know whatever amp amplifier they use so you know that way they can get the tone of their amp but when i saw that i instantly thought man like if i could use this to load stuff to make my mandolin sound nice. <laughs> and I, right. so i've done it for my mandolin i've done it for my fiddle like i'm 
like I said, I'm playing my fiddle this week. I'm taking the pod go with me, just going to plug it in, hit my preset, and I'll be good to go. That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's it, so cool. It's nice that I have, like, my electric mail and acoustic and my fiddle all can go through the exact same setup, and I just click one button good to go you know yeah yeah it's easy to carry too man it's not as heavy oh, as you would think and yeah i used to have like a, the thing for the pedal board like a big bag for that and then i had a bag for all the cords <laughs> plus my fiddle case and my mandolin case all your money was spent uh, on uh sending your baggage to the airport <laughs> oh my gosh it was just so ridiculous <laughs> like i said when it sounded good it sounded good but it was just it just got too much for me you know yeah man those felix i mean just like you know how it is with tone too and like i can't even imagine having one of those i had the bix for the longest time because it had the least amount of dials like i can't imagine sitting there and working on the mid band and be like well let's use this other mid range and then everything sounds horrible suddenly because you tweaked the wrong thing and you're like how did i get where i was (laughs) that's that's just it and you have the you have that for both inputs right and so you have to like do it twice go through it and you know, if any of those knobs got messed up on your trip out to a show and like you're not in a controlled place anymore, it was just impossible to get it set again. You know, you could. It was just without a sound man, it was very difficult. Sure. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so many so knobs, I, man. <laughs> right. So I, I just moved away from that. And, you know, I, if I ever get, you know, if we ever get a sound man, I'll probably move back to that setup. But Oh, they're great sounding. They really are. I mean, oh, that's why everybody uses amazing. them, you know. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's, there's the, there's those, you know, that, and actually I got Trey convinced on the pod go as well. So now Trey's using that and on his banjo and it sounds good. And our guitar player, Nick, he was actually the one who kind of informed of us, us of the whole, how to make your own impulse responses. He uses a, uh, uh, line six helix oh, okay, on his yep. guitar, so, yeah. which is like the, the big uh, brother of the pod go, you know? Oh, that's so that's so cool. That's exciting, man. I got something to work on this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. Something to yeah, drive myself I, I crazy with. You, I'll send you the link to the thing how to make it. Oh, and yeah, it has please instructions do. on how to do it. It's, yeah, man, please. That'd be great. It, it seems complicated, but truly it's like you record a minute of stuff and then you run it through this program and it just magically works. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I have the I've, I've done it with my tone dexter with a bunch of different mics. So yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Well, man, yeah. I, I know you got to head out. I've got two more questions for you here. Um, okay. So the first one is, uh, is the 10 minute a day question. Not everybody has, you know, a, a lot of time to, to dedicate to playing mandolin, but they, you know, I'm a firm believer. And if just pick it up every day for 10 minutes and work on something and you're going to get better. Yeah. And so what would you work on? Well, that's a tough question. And I, uh, I, a lot of times it, I I don't use my ten minutes very effectively. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> I know I'll just pick um, up yeah. my mandolin and just kind of kind of mess around on it and realize, man, I didn't learn anything. But no, I think for me, when I have ten minutes, like if I'm like actually trying to learn something, is I'll just pull up Spotify or whatever you're you listen to music on and hit shuffle, and then just tries and learn whatever song comes up doesn't matter what genre or whatever and just try and learn the melody and the chords to whatever song um because that'll get you to really be able to learn songs quickly you know if you can just like shove songs at you real quick so and if you get done more do another song you know that is a great nobody's nobody's used that one that's a great tip 
yeah, it's it's kind of I don't know. It's it's really it's it's kind of a game, but it also does like really kind of push you towards being able to transcribe faster and and work your ear better. So yeah, it's super practical. Like if you go to a jam and somebody calls a song you've never heard, it's kind of playing this. It's kind of playing like yeah, Spotify Shuffle. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whenever and you know I've, I I I kind of preach this. You know, like if the faster you are at learning new songs, the better off you're going to be because you're you never know if you're like in a situation. I've been in this situation like going to play a show with somebody and they give you a set list, but then you get to the show and then like, don't even follow the set list they sent you. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Oh no. <laughs> so you're going to be in same for, you know, if you, even if you're just jamming, it doesn't, you don't have to be a professional or anything. You know, if you're, you're out there you're just jamming and somebody calls a song, you don't know the faster you can like recognize and sing the melody in your head and put that to the fretboard, you know, the better off you're going to be. And then the final question is, do you have a favorite beer? Yeah, so I grew up in northern Colorado and Fort Collins where there's a ton of breweries. And actually, there's a bunch of those breweries actually kind of moved out to uh, Asheville near me. So it's kind of cool seeing like new Belgian brewing out here, which is from my hometown, actually. <laughs> it's like a little taste of home. But <laughs> I'd, I'd say my favorite beer uh, unmatched is uh, Odell Brewing in Fort Collins. They have a beer, their classic IPA which I miss dearly. It's like the best beer ever, but it's, you can only get it like out there. They don't, they don't sell it out here. So, Oh man, I was so writing it down to check it. If you are ever out in Colorado, you know, go to Odell, get that. Oh man. It's great. So good. So good. So Josiah, where can everybody find you at? Uh, I am on, you know, Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on of all things, TikTok now making videos, which is really, really fun. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I'm on YouTube as well. And it's all just either Josiah Nelson or Josiah Nelson music on all of them. So. Fantastic. I'll put links on the uh, in the description and on my website as well so everybody can find them real easy too. Yeah, thank you. Well, man, thank you so much for doing this and squeezing it in. Uh, safe travels. Thanks so uh, much. And have a, have a blast and – in Vegas, there just to get oh, to play yeah. some music again is so cool. So, and I hope to catch oh. you at the uh, ISIS Music Hall, man. That's that's not too far from here. I gotta try yeah. to juggle some things, but I'd love to I'd love to be at the record release. So, yeah, I'd like to to see you in person again. You know, it's been too long now. So, yeah, for sure. Well, man, congrats on all the stuff. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for uh, for asking me, man. All right. Thanks so much to Josiah for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking it out. Have yourselves a fantastic week. Cheers, everybody.